everybody to another edition of I'm Back to the Radio Voice for no good reason, except for that's what came out when I started talking. This is Sad Times. My name is Kevin. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe in your preferred audio podcast platform. And you may be asking yourself, what is Sad Times? I'm glad you asked yourself that. Sad Times is a show in which each week we have a kind and generous guest who comes on and talks about times that they were sad, upset, angry. Um, They were going through very, very difficult times in their lives and um, how they got through those times. The goal here is not to diagnose the problems, nor is it to judge it, nor is it to solve it. It is to allow these people to tell their stories in hopes that maybe wherever you may be listening, whether it be in the car or maybe at a hate beat concert, that you feel a little bit less alone or you maybe hear something that you empathize with so that maybe you'll want to tell some of your stories. Uh, Please note that, you know, uh, some of these stories are very difficult, so please take care while listening to it. Um, And we really thank you for joining us. And you can check out a lot more about the show at our website, which is www, which I believe means worldwide web still, dot sadtimespodcast.com. And like I said, you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found, I guess. And on the website, there is a place where you can fill out a form to be a guest. That is how today's guest came on, who I will be introducing shortly. But let's first get to the bill payers, the sponsor. Today's sponsor is that one and only one single time I went on WebMD. Sweating profusely, I walked into the basement computer lab. Remember those at my college. I went to the WebMD and typed in my symptoms, and a picture of a part of a man turning into something like a sequoia came back. In a panic, I tried to flip the whole roll of tables, and I quickly backed away from the table, making a low, squeaking noise. As I walked from the room, I wondered, is it Arbor Day? I did not go back to check. And I have not been back to WebMD since, Brent. 19 and a half fucking years later. That was horrible. Uh, Please do support our sponsors using the code F-A-K-E. That's F-A-K-E. And now enough of that shit. Let's get to why we're here. Our great guest who filled out, as I said, the guest form. Her name is Katie. Katie, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous. Good, good. Thank you for asking. And how's the weather where you are? Uh, it is lovely. It's about, I don't know, 77 here in Virginia. Oh, wow. Now, I Sunny. is it humid? Not today. Today, um, we're starting to get into that, like, false fall kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. where cooler in the mornings. Um, so, yeah, it's, this is lovely. That's good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, 77 wow. and not humid is is pretty agreeable. That is pretty agreeable. Now, Katie, you're not from, where are you from originally? I am originally from Winnicani, Wisconsin. Woo, Midwest. Winnicani, yep. Wisconsin. And uh, so you're probably, and I know we talked about this, you're probably a bit of a Packers fan. Well, I mean... You kind of gotta be, uh, like I say, it's on, it's stamped on your birth certificate. If you're from Wisconsin, Mm. I really don't care all that much about football. So yeah, I mean, if I had to support somebody, 
I guess. <laughs> I don't care about football really either, but I hate the Packers. So fair enough. There's that. You know, I don't really like the Brewers either. Like... Fuck the Brewers. But that's just me. Yeah, fair enough. So you're from Wisconsin, but you're living in Virginia. And I think during the course of uh, our discussion, we're going to kind of get through how that happened. Um, yeah. And I think today, because of your very powerful story and, and a lot of insight that you have to share, this is probably going to be one of the first, if not the first two-parter in the history of sad times. Uh, so... Um, that Wade, that was when you were supposed to. Okay, you don't let the off the firecracker. Okay, fine. Um, so, uh, how does it feel to be the first two parter on sad times? Um, you know, I guess I feel like I my life is kind of a walking um, <laughs> PSA, or <laughs> you know, like. I feel like you need to put in disclaimers for my story, like, you know, trigger warnings. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, there, there, I mean, we, 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 we can definitely, I mean, uh, uh, I can basically say for sure there is descriptions of sexual abuse in this episode. So, um, please, if you're listening at home, take care, uh, while you're listening. And also know that in the show notes, if you or anyone that you know has been sexually abused, there will be some resources in which to reach out to for support. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, so now that we've got where you're from out of the way and, and why the Packers are going to, you know, burn in hell. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get to the story, uh, Katie. Thank you so much for reaching out. Um, I know you're a big fan of the great podcast, Hysteria 51. Uh, yes. Produced by that butthead over there. Talking uh, about you, Brent. Yeah, okay. So you're from Wisconsin. Tell me about your parents and your family. Yeah, absolutely. So um, was born in 69 um you know all great things happened that year like uh woodstock abbey road was released uh yeah man on the moon if you believe that um <laughs> manson murders yeah if you're a ghost fan uh you know the concert in uh la um if you're not a ghost fan, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't about, know what you would tell me what you mean by that. Ghost the band has like a Oh a mythology. You were actually talking about the band Ghost. I I, yeah, I love yeah, Ghost. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, Papa Neo Nihil, however you pronounce it, supposedly had a concert September thirteenth, nineteen sixty nine. Um which I thought was pretty cool. So Ah, I anyway. love that you're a ghost fan. <laughs> Oh God, yeah. We just saw them and it was it was amazing. They are they are awesome. Yeah, I would love to see them. I've never seen them. Everybody Worth should it. check out Ghost, man. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So um anyway, uh born in a very small town in Wisconsin, um to wonderful, wonderful people, um, young, clueless. Uh, folks that you know truly did their best um with what they had to work with um i have a younger brother and actually today's his birthday hey michael hey happy um, birthday michael yeah. <laughs> as of recording yeah and a younger sister 
Um, growing up, I was definitely, um, well, you know, first and foremost, I was incredibly pissed when my parents had the audacity to have children after me because I thought <laughs> all of their attention should be mine. Yeah. Um, but I got, I got over that. Yeah. Well, um, the, my but, sister, who is not a doctor, has still not gotten over that. So <laughs> you two would have a lot to talk about in that sense. Right. Um, How much but, older are you than, you, than your, your siblings? I am four years older than my brother and five years older than my sister. Is your brother turning 50 today? He is... Yeah, he must be. Well, happy fiftieth yeah. birthday, <laughs> Wade. You want to yeah. let the fire crack? Nope. Okay, still nothing. Uh, All right. So you, a small town. You said your parents. Uh, I believe the words, and I'm not trying to be pejorative here, but you said clueless, but very young, but um, just very small town, and yes. they they they've got her kids now. Where where did your um, where did your did your parents grow up in the same town? Uh, my mom, yes. Okay. My mom actually, born and raised, still lives there, like within the Winnicani area. Okay. Uh, in fact, they had the same phone number for something like 60 years or 50 years or something crazy. Wow. Until uh, they got rid of their landline. But yeah, my mom is born and raised Winnicani. Um, my dad, wow, he could be a podcast all his own. He moved from a small farming town, um, just outside of where Ed Gein, oh. um, did his magic. And, his magic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. He made some uh, really lovely lamps, I hear. He did. He did mm -hmm. some nice clothing. Um, but, uh, Winnicani you know, predominantly their whole lives. Okay. And um, do you have uh, other family throughout Wisconsin? Do you have family in the north, south, east, west of Wisconsin? Um, most of my family is in Wisconsin. My sisters moved to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, my daughters, who come into the story later, uh, both moved back to Wisconsin uh, from Virginia. Okay. Um, but yeah, whole, pretty much the whole clan is there. So you mentioned a moment ago that, you know, jokingly that they had the audacity to have other children. So as, <laughs> as your brother and your sister came into the picture, did this, did you feel like you weren't getting, did you, did you want attention and you kind of weren't getting it just because there wasn't enough to go around? Yes and yes. Um, I very much was attention-driven. Like, I really thrived on, um, you know, getting attention. I wanted to be special. Um, and my parents did, again, you know, did what they needed to do for us to survive. Mm -hmm. It worked very hard. Um, but, you know, there really was only so much bandwidth for, you know, giving us all what we needed. And 
surviving. Right. <laughs> you know. Of course. Good salt of the earth people working their butts off uh, to provide for their kids, but sometimes they're just, that means they just have to be gone a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, quintessential latchkey kids. Mm. Um, it, you know, I mean, there were, like, we were not left alone when we were little by any stretch but um you know my my parents worked and you know so we were we were home uh with various and sundry different family members babysitters you know just the range okay and um so family members babysitters um you know everybody's kind of pitching in to make sure Kids are taken care of so mom and dad can work. Um, then uh, did you have – tell us a little bit more about that time in your life where when your parents were out. Like who was watching you or no, not so much that, but like um, how often were you being watched by other people? Um, Pretty often. Um, you know, me specifically – I remember one incredibly traumatic experience. Um, the lady next door, so like right across the street from our house. Um, I have no idea how old I was. Um, probably pre-school age, so maybe four. Um, I was standing in her yard staring at my yard and my toys in my sandbox you know unable to go over there and some poor lady was walking down the street and i'm sobbing and i'm like do you know where my mom is you know and she's just like oh my god what who is this child? And the next door lady, Janet, comes running out and she was like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I'm babysitting. It's fine. But I was so traumatized staring at my house in my yard and not being able to be there. And this poor woman was probably like, you know, were that to happen today, you know, CPS would have been called and, you know, all hell would have broken loose. But you know, it, it was fine, yeah. but you know, <laughs> it was just like, it's gotta be a, uh, a, a, its own form of, of torture to, to be able to see your bit. sandbox with the toys, but not be able to go to it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, you, who else would watch you as, as you were a kid? Well, that kind of goes into the beginning of my story. Okay. Um, we did have a family member um, come into our lives mm -hmm. uh, with much gusto and fanfare. He was kind of a larger-than-life individual. Um, and I've already kind of alluded to being very attention-hungry. And when this person came into our lives... Um, he definitely gave attention. He was very affectionate. And um, so I, when he started to 
watch us um, because he worked a weird schedule and had days off or weeks off. I think he worked for some city organization or government organization where he had long stretches of shifts and then long stretches of being off of work. Um, and so this individual was either asked, I don't know, or volunteered to, um, babysit for us or keep an eye on us as it were. Okay. And how Um, old are you at about this time? I'm going to say eight or nine. Okay. Uh, Um, okay. Which would put my siblings much younger. So you, uh, the, uh, this person is is babysitting you. Tell us what else happens. All right. So from babysitting, it kind of morphed into, hey, I'm going to take Katie fishing. Um, which on its face was, I guess, something that, you would do i mean in retrospect i don't know of any parent today who would green light their eight-year-old daughter going fishing with an adult male that's not her father but you know again it was it was the 70s and that doesn't make it right but it, I guess, made it less weird. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and as you said before, you know, your parents, wonderful people, it, probably things like um, what it sounds like, uh, unfortunately, that you have to, that you're going to talk about, didn't even maybe cross their minds uh, as as even a possibility. Um, that, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I want to believe that that is the case, that why would this be weird? Why would this be anything untoward? You know, it it I have to believe that that was not even a thought that anything right. negative was not even conceived of. Okay, so um, I hate that. So he he wanted to take you fishing, and was that something that? Well, tell you know. So he took you fishing. Yeah, um, not so much the fishing. Um, so what would happen is we would go somewhere. And I just have like snippets of memory of being taken to someplace remote. Um, and the next overwhelming feeling is being incredibly uncomfortable because he's touching me and he's adjusting my clothing and taking pictures um it's very 
like I have definite memories of that. Um, in addition to that, he, I, I'm going to say he drugged me. What it was, I don't know. Um, he would give me something that he said, this is a salt pill. It will keep you from getting dehydrated because we're out here in the sun. <sighs> As an adult, I'm positive that's bullshit. But, you know, as a child, it was kind of like, uh, oh, okay, he's looking out for me. I can understand that. Um, it was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I felt so creeped out, so violated. Um, what specifically happened? I don't know. Um, I do know my clothes was, was askew. Um, and he was breathing very heavy. You know, he was very into kissing. So at eight, this grown man is French kissing me. And that is just such a disconcerting, um, just disgusting feeling. Um, and I guess at that point, I don't know how many times it happened. It was more than once. Um, there was a, a, a time that my mom was actually babysitting for someone else's kid. Um, and this was maybe like a year or two after this, these occurrences. Um, and he came over and was sitting on the couch and I was sitting next to him. And he was groping me in front of my brother and this other child who my mom was babysitting. I don't know where my mom was. Um, and this other child said something. He was like, oh, you two are in love. Oh, my God. And... I just distinctly remember wanting to get the hell off that couch and as far away from him as possible. It just, it was, it was so surreal. I was so embarrassed. Like I was embarrassed that he had said that I was like, it, it was definitely not something I was seeking out. Um, while being incredibly attention hungry, once this type of attention started, it was like, oh, well, um, yeah, not. That's that's not actually the attention I was looking of, for. Of course um, not. Of course not. And yeah, Katie, yeah. A couple of things I, I feel I should say. I mean, I, I'm so sorry that you went no. through that. Uh, in in every instance, it shouldn't have happened once. I'm sorry about yeah. that. And I'm, I know that it is hard for you to talk about it. And I'm sorry that you have to relive that. And I'm so sorry that 
that occurred? Well, thank you. It, you know, it, it's definitely something I have talked about ad nauseum to, you know, myriad therapists. Um, but it, it's really not like I'm kind of it, it's not that I'm over it because you never really get over it um but I've done a lot of work sure. and can talk about it without breaking into a million pieces um and so it, yeah, I mean, it was it was shit. Like it should not have happened in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I think the fact that he got away with it um, to this day, like no repercussions, no legal, no he he just set my life on a trajectory um and that's okay for him and you know you said it a moment ago the work that you've done i cannot imagine the work that you've had to do um, in therapy um, throughout your life uh, in in order to be able to to speak about such a traumatic and horrific um part of your life and yeah um you know i think the thing that unfortunately um began then and i'm frankly it has taken me well over 40 years to recognize um boundaries like i that uh what that did to me as a human um and not recognizing or not being able to say these are my boundaries you have crossed them. These are going to be the ramifications for you. Not saying that at that time and just kind of moving on with my life, you know, moving into adolescence, moving into, you know, young adulthood, blah, blah, blah. I never developed boundaries. I never was able to move past, be nice, respect authority, um, you know, and that was probably the most detrimental thing to my mental health. I mean, aside from the trauma of that, not having healthy boundaries, um, has really bit me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, and to be clear, and I don't, I don't think you're saying this, but I, 
that was not your responsibility to even know what those boundaries were or to say them. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But when you have that kind of cognitive dissonance in your head where I don't like this, you're touching me in places that no, thank you. No, that's, that's not cool. Um, and yet this is an adult. This is a family member. This is someone you're supposed to trust. This is someone you're supposed to, um, have respect for. And they're telling you this is okay. And you've got that mental dissonance. Because what your body's telling you, what your brain is telling you is, holy shit, this feels gross. Get away from me. Stop kissing me. Gross. And what the adult is telling you is, this is okay. This is, this is cool. This is what we should be doing. And that set me up for years of not standing up for what my gut is telling me um being in situations that i didn't want to be in um not saying no that's that's not something that i want to do when you know it, it i should have you know right again um I'm so sorry that that happened. And I think you, you, uh, no matter the work that you've done, it is commendable, uh, that you were able to, to share your story. And I'm so sorry that that happened, but you know, as we're going to continue to discuss your story, we're going to see, um, I mean, you know, some of the things that, that come of this. Um, so you had said that, you know, you moved into adolescence, and then were you starting to see when you were in adolescence, um, how did that, uh, how did you react to these things? Were you knowing that you were reacting to the trauma or ha- how did you react to things? Um, I kind of, it, 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 the relationship with this person, unfortunately I had to see this person at all family events and, um, but, the um those events never happened again like there was a point at which it just stopped um and you know we can go into how it stopped um and i to this day i don't know what part my parents um had in that but it did stop. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah, right. Um, but as I grew up, um, the the trauma was definitely there, and it was as a lot of people who have experienced that kind of trauma. Um, as I got older, the trauma doesn't go away. It, it's going to manifest or 
I shouldn't say going to. Some people can just walk away from it and yeah, that sucked. That happened to me and move on. I was not one of those people. Um, at, I think I was a junior in high school. So I was about 16. Um, I started having, oh, well, back up. I wasn't supposed to date in until I was 16, which didn't bode well for being a cool hip chick in the 80s. Um, and so there was a lot of back and forth with my parents. Mm -hmm. And um, looking back at it now, they were probably right because I was a 14-year-old freshman dating a 18-year-old senior. And um, that didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> um, but the the trauma started to manifest in um, my weight. And what what it started with was hyper control over what I ate. Um, I decided I was going to control every single aspect of everything that went into my body. I started exercising heavily and not eating a lot and dropped quite a bit of weight. Um, and everyone noticed. And can I, can that I was ask? Attention. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Katie. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. Do you, do you think in your experience with this, it, it sounds like you're describing anorexia. It definitely turned into anorexia. Um, the What I know now, after really looking at it, is I wanted to control something. And if I couldn't control what happened to me as a child, I could damn sure control this. And that was all-consuming. Like, <laughs> no pun intended. Um, I literally dropped a ton of weight. Um, and you said that people were... It was... People were noticing. Were what? Yeah, what were your parents saying to you? Your teachers, okay. Um, yep. And you know, my parents talked about it, but again, you know, I was very active in school, and so I really didn't see them all that much because I was in a lot of activities. I was in drama. I was in bands, and you name it. Um, What'd you play in the band? Flute. Oh, you played the flute. Yeah, I was in marching band. Yeah, dude, marching band kicks ass. Right on. Hell yeah, I was a tuba player. <laughs> oh, God bless. Yeah, thank you. I, I needed that. Uh, you got the biceps? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Though I, I like to uh, try to flex my arms around Brent, and he just kind of pushes me down and kicks me, which well, isn't very nice. Bad. So yeah. you're active at school. You are, um, you're in the marching band. You're doing all these things. Um, but you're, you're still, this is the one place, as you said, you just wanted to have control. Yep. And so this yep. is kind of where, and, and 
how long did this um did this continue throughout high school yeah it was probably my junior and senior year that it got bad um because i kind of morphed into hardcore bulimia because people were on me for not eating and so what i figured was okay fine i will eat in front of you um and then immediately throw it up um which has done amazing things for my dental work uh you know that because of the acid the stomach acid the stomach acid yeah mm-hmm. yeah so my dentist is like yay it might be sheer um <laughs> Jesus. but <laughs> it that the bulimia really took over my life it was horrific it was all consuming um again no pun intended um it it really was total obsession um and it you know you you gotta eat to live yes Um, exactly and when you're obsessed with you know for, for me it really wasn't appearance so much it was just control um and when you control something so tightly then letting go of that you need you need a release Mm -hmm. you know so if you've got this death grip on what you're eating um Binging is like a release. You know, you've got this, okay, I can eat everything in the fridge for the next 20 minutes and then be uncomfortably full and then throw it up. And so it's just this vicious cycle. But it it sounds like you... (sighs) Correct me if I'm wrong. If I heard you wrong, you moved to bulimia as because people kept saying you have to eat, and so it was like you were saying, "Oh, okay, I'll eat," but then I'll yeah. go and sneak yeah. away, and okay, exactly, yeah, exactly. And you know, I don't think it was a big secret, um, you know, because it's like, okay, you're thin, and you're eating like a freaking horse, like what, <laughs> you know? So I don't know how well. If at all, it was a secret, um, especially in college. Okay. But so this, you, you were in college and this was still definitely an issue. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was, it was bad. So, um, so this is already following you into college. And then, um, I know that around this time you met, um, I think you described him uh, when we spoke before as the love of your life. When did you meet uh, this gentleman? I actually met him in college. We we went to uh, uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, great place, gotta say. 
Okay. Uh, so I met, I, I, I met him as he was wearing a black trench coat, black Z Cavaricci jeans, a probably had a U2 shirt on, <laughs> um, long tied back hair in a ponytail and cowboy boots and round sunglasses. Ooh. Stomping through what we called the gallery. It was like the lunchroom. Um, and he was like, is this person? Holy crap. <laughs> so immediately you're drawn to him. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we really got to know each other. Um, when I was a senior, he was, um, one year younger than, than I was, um, we're the same age, but I was, uh, because of my birthday, I was farther ahead in school. Um, but I directed him in a play. It was my senior, Ooh. um, senior project. Yeah. I directed him in the glass menagerie. And Hell yeah. Glass menagerie, Tennessee Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Man. It was awesome. Oh my God. Wait, we was he, did this person play Tom? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we had this fabulous black box theater mm -hmm. that we could do anything we wanted to. Like we could, you name it, we could do it. And we didn't have a big budget by any stretch or much of a budget. Um, but, you know, we, oh, it was amazing. But I cast it, I propped it, I, you know, set up the lights and sound and blah 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 you know so it was this all-consuming um and it was amazing is i mean it was probably awful <laughs> oh no it probably wasn't i mean it's a great no, play it was, it's a great it play. was amazing yeah is that it was amazing. is that when you two started dating kind of um yeah kind of it i was actually engaged to someone else um, was it the gentleman caller? <laughs> no, okay. no. Um, but what sealed the deal for me, um, with Paul, um, was he came and saw the play and he, he was a couple years older than I was and had already graduated, but I asked him if he would come and see my play mm -hmm. and, his comment was, yeah, I guess it was all right. It was a little long. <laughs> this is your, and this I was, was your like, then fiance, correct? Yes. Wow. I was like, you're done. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we broke up and then, um, Tim and I just kind of took it from there. And then, and yeah. When did you guys get married? We got married in 1992. So I graduated college in 1991 and we got married right after. Um, so 92. Okay. And was, um, you said you went to a Lutheran college. Was, uh, was the church a big part of your guys' life? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I was raised um, Wisconsin Synod Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Don't you know? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, church was a huge part of our lives. Like every Sunday, Sunday school, um, catechism. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was a big part of my life. And, um, Tim kind of bounced around different flavors of Christianity. Um, he was a little more charismatic, um, which Lutheranism is not, uh, but you know, it, it was a big part of our lives. And when we got married, um, we were on the more charismatic side of things. We had a very charismatic wedding. Uh, but what do you mean? You know, Can you just briefly tell us what you mean by charismatic in this sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, praying in tongues, mm. um, laying on of hands, the much more demonstrative forms of Christianity where, you know, Lutheranism, you've got the hymns, and maybe if the pastor tells a funny joke, you can laugh, but very stoic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Very... You're saying that Lutherans allow joy? Um, hmm. I mean, I, I did not grow up Lutheran, so L- I don't know. A little bit. A little bit? Okay. <laughs> so charismatic, it, when you say that, you... you Speaking in tongues, are people and and laying on of hands? And when you say laying on of hands, like people are being healed. Uh, sure. Oh, good. <laughs> um, see, I should have went there instead of WebMD. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know it. I'm not gonna bash the. I'm not gonna say anything disparaging as far as if that's your jam. And if that's where God leads you and you're not being an asshole about it, I am not going to say it's not real. I am. I mean, I prayed in tongues, you know, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. You know, people will say it's gibberish. People will say it's an angelic language. I don't know, but <laughs> it, you know, it, it is what it is. So I am not going to be disparaging of, that type of Christianity. Sure. Um, but does it get a little woo? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But thankfully, we never really attended churches where people were like rolling in the aisles or barking or, you know, any of the like stupid shit you see where, you know, God's got more decorum than that. Could you just not? Um, right. So, so at, you know. at this church, uh, where you and your now husband are, um, did you, so you got married pretty young. Did you two yeah. decide to have kids? We were not going to have children. Okay. Um, and, wow. When I say this, I am not saying it to say that I am not happy with the children that I have because I love them dearly. Um but Tim and I should never have had children. Um, it 
we just had decided that yeah no um his sister had three and i'm not gonna talk about her but different dads different you know just we saw what having children was like firsthand and we're like mm, that looks hard and well, then, messy right uh, i mean the, i don't know of a more challenging thing uh you know in, in the natural selfless. world yeah you very true you have to be selfless um well what and so what changed your mind then oh well <laughs> uh-oh um Tim and I were looking for a different church. Now, I don't remember why. Um, we were attending a... God, I don't even remember where we were going. Anyway, so we found this fabuloso church in Oconomowoc. And I can say Oconomowoc because I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> um but anyway, we found this church, and they had in their phone book ad um, a smiley face, like the Forrest Gump smiley face. Well, that's and nice. I know, but we it was more of kind of an ironic smiley face, and we were all about the irony, um, being English majors and all. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> yeah, right? So we attended cornerstone church and walked in and were instantly sucked in because the music was fabulous they they really did a good job like their praise and worship rocked there were a bunch of ex-hippies um you know just people who actually knew how to play and so we were all about the music. So there's like a rock band. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. their music was good. Brent um, is very excited about this rock band over there, by the way. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, uh, so we walk in and the pastor, um, young guy, very well-spoken, um, very charismatic and um the first thing we did notice was oh my god whose kids are these holy shit what you mean like, like there was a lot of kids everywhere oh my jesus like <laughs> every mom and dad had eight or Six and these people were our age or slightly older, so like 20s in their 20s. Um, late, well, yeah, 20s. I think Tim and I, we'd been married about six years, right around five or six years when we attended Cornerstone, and um, so you know, later 20s, these people were our age maybe five years older one couple had eight children the pastor and his wife had like eight children and that freaked me out a little bit 
But everybody was so nice. Like, and genuinely, I'm not in any way saying that the people were not. Like, they became some of the closest friends we had. The pastor decided messianic complex. Like, he legit thought the sun, moon, and stars blasted out of his ass. Don't answer the but- <laughs> Yeah. Don't yeah. answer this question, but was his first name Brent? Don't answer well, that. No, okay. Don't no 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 no. Uh, All right, moving on. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. No, All right, so much. let's get back to that shit shooting out of his ass. Yeah. But I call it the Church of the Holy Reproduction <laughs> because they really stressed, like really stressed. Trust God with your womb. He, you know, he will take care of you and not give you more ch- children than you can afford. What well, uh, can I ask you? Right. Did they actually use the words trust God with your womb? Hell yeah. Okay. All right. Hell yeah. Verbatim. Or heaven, yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, that was a big core doctrine was, um, you know, and they, it's right on the edge. Like, I i call it the cult of holy reproduction. It really was not a cult. Insofar as they did not control, like, they they controlled you as much as you wanted to be controlled. Like, truthfully, if we had pushed back and said, yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. I really don't think. I, I don't know. I mean, they really did push. You know, drink the Kool Aid, join us. It's awesome. Have children. Like they would have church services. Like Michael or Michael, the pastor would pick a month. And we would go to church every single night. Wait, every night, like all 30 days of the month? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, you prayed it was February. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it it wasn't a leap year? Right. It was a lot. Yeah, that I'd fucking say so. It, It was a lot. Like, Sundays, there were two services. And church itself was two hours long on a good day. Gosh. Then you had to come back or do home group at night. And it was a lot. What is, um, okay, real fast. What is home group? Oh, yeah. Home groups were special. Is home that like a Bible study? Are, yeah. Okay. Um, You know what I said about it not being a cult? I'm kind of changing my mind. It was kind of culty. <laughs> okay. Well, um, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, there just was a lot of, like, we all did become friends. Sure. Because we spent so much time together. Um, and the women really were fabulous. Like, they were really strong, wonderful women. But there really was this overarching um, methodology which I do agree with in balance that 
you know, as far as a household goes, what they would say is anything with no head is dead. Anything with two heads is a freak. So the man is the head of the household. And the wife is the subordinate. Um, Jesus. Which, if you actually study the Bible, is true. But you got to read it all. And yes, the man is the head of the household. However, he is supposed to give himself up for his wife and love her like Christ loved the church. And as you may or may not know, Jesus died for the church. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, my philosophy now is God wants a balance. You know, let's, I think we complement each other. I think women have something to add that's vital. Men have something to add that's vital. And when you put it together or, you know, whatever relationship you're in, you're going to bring something to the table. Your partner's going to bring something to the table. And it makes things great. Yeah, it's like you improv. Know? You bring a brick, exactly. I bring a brick, we build a house. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, so how many children um, did you and your husband have? Oh, yeah. We had 12. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We had Liam. Mm -hmm. um so like i got pregnant the second i stopped uh taking birth control um and so liam was born july of 1998 um and you know we can kind of go into my lovely liam um but liam has uh he he has Asperger's, so he was uh, a challenge as a child, mm -hmm. um, as a, a small person. Um, he was a lot, and taking care of him was a lot uh, because he was very, uh, like he would throw his um, his pacifier across the room in the middle of the night and then would scream and thus waking us up mm -hmm. and he needed that specific pacifier no other pacifier would do it had to be that one and so you're fumbling in the dark and so it wash rinse repeat that was his nightly routine um and so as challenging as Liam was, the best course of action was to instantly get pregnant and add another child. Sure. <laughs> you do. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, like, 15 months later, we have Trinity. Okay. Who is lovely. She's my lovely middle daughter. Okay. Um. In the midst of all of this, uh, and I do, I do want to stress, I love my children. Of course, of course you do. <laughs> I, I do, I do, I love my children. I do, I do. Um, 
But in all of this, Tim shifted. Um, now, this is 1,000% my story, my perspective. Everything that I'm telling you is my observance. Um, just so that, because, you know, anytime you're telling a story about somebody else. Sure. Or if somebody else is involved, um, they're going to have their perspective. Of course. So I just, you know, need to make that clear. Um, but in the midst of, okay, so I had been working um, doing human resources, which, you know, I have an English degree and a communication minor, so I can speak and read. So <laughs> that, you know, what do you know with that? So I got into human resources. And um, once we had Liam, it was decided mutually um, with the church's much approval that mommies stay home and daddies go off to work. Um, so I was the mommy. And so therefore I stayed home, which was fine. You know, that it, it worked out. Okay. Um, Tim was able to provide. So Tim is working. You have, you have Liam, you have Trinity. Uh, did you have any, uh, how, I know you said you had 12, but then that wasn't true. How many did you have uh, total? How many children do you have? I have three. You have three. Uh, and what is your third one's name? My daughter, Aslin. Um, is she named after the lion from Lion, Witch, and the no, Wardrobe? No. That's Aslan. Oh, this my is bad. Aslin. Um, it is A-I-S-L-I-N-N. And it is actually from the band U2. Oh. The um, <laughs> guitarist, The Edge. I love The his Edge. Wife's, yeah. His, his former wife, now I guess they got divorced, but his wife's name was Aslan. Oh, so um, you're. So we kind your of. Your husband was really into you too. You think? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, we kind of went with the Irish thing. And so we have a Liam, a Trinity, and an Aslan. And uh, when, when you say that. Um, Tim uh, shifted from your perspective. Um, yes. Briefly tell us what, what you mean by that. Yeah. So um, when Trinity was little, um, Tim bought a motorcycle. No. And, you know, like you do as a father of small children. Um, so he bought this motorcycle and started hanging out with some guy there was one gentleman at his work and i use the term gentleman loosely um there was a gentleman at his work that um was really into motorcycles really into riding um and there were other like-minded individuals who also liked to ride and had a clubhouse where like-minded individuals who like to ride motorcycles would hang out. Um, they shall not be named. Uh-huh. Uh, but so it was a motorcycle club. They, yes, okay. it was a motorcycle club. So, and he's working, you're staying at home. He, uh, 
And then in his free time, is he hanging out at the, the motorcycle club? Yes. Okay. Um, and he worked second shift. So his routine was he would get up around 10 or 11. Um, so I am desperately trying to keep two small children. And at that time I was pregnant with Aslan. Um, two small children quiet um, so that he could sleep. And he would get up. He got into this workout routine. He would work out. Um, I would be making lunch. He would come downstairs, eat lunch with his children, pat them on the head, and be gone until about 2 or 3 in the morning because he would stop at the bar on the way home like you do. Okay. Um, so that was kind of our life. And then on the weekends, he'd go on rides. He'd hang out with his brothers. Uh, not biological. Um, he'd hang out with his brothers. And really not connected to his children. So uh, he's basically seeing them around lunch. Uh, yeah. And sitting with them at lunch. Yeah. But... It sounds like to me that you're taking care of them in the morning, then he goes to work, then he goes to the bar or wherever with his with the motorcycle gang. Did he continue to come to church? No. So he, nope. he stopped um, coming to church as well? Yes. Um, it, he kind of decided that whole God thing just wasn't working for him. And I was freely welcome to do whatever I wanted to do, but yeah, that wasn't happening. So, like, it was this polar shift because I'm, you know, these people are my friends. You yeah. know, they're my contact to the outside world. Um, They're... And, like... I'm still a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, no, what? You so, know, it was just this, like, did you worry? Huh? Did you worry about him then? In this sense? Oh my God, yes. Like, were you um, worried about his, um, like, his soul? Uh, yeah. I mean, ugh. I I don't know if soul is the right word. Salvation, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Um, he didn't stop believing in God. So no, I was not I worried about his soul. Okay. Was I worried about him being a dumbass and <laughs> spending our money on things he should not be spending our money on? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And did you, you confront know, him about that? Uh, yeah. And it never went well. Um, he was very good at gaslighting. He was very good at turning it around and making me the bad guy. Um, it, you know, I, there was never in the entire time we were married, there was never an argument I won. Um, and, you know, it's not supposed to be uh, who wins, you know, but there was never a oh, I see your point. You're right about that. Mm -hmm. That never happened. Okay. Uh, 
It was, regardless of, like, you were never going to convince him of anything he did not want to do. If it did not suit him, if it did not fit into his worldview, if it was not convenient for him, it didn't happen. And unfortunately, his children kind of were part of that. Um, And, you know, things went on at the clubhouse that, like, there would be times when I would actually get to go with. Like, if I could find a babysitter, I could go with. You could go to the motorcycle club. Yeah. Oh, my God. I loved riding. I freaking love i love motorcycles okay um but it was always if you can get a babysitter in a moment's notice if you can get somebody i'm leaving in you know an hour if you can get somebody to watch the kids you can come so if you can get he doesn't help you oh god no okay (laughs) so there were times I actually got to go, and it was fabulous. I mean, it was so much fun. Like, I I love being social, and I was treated very well. Like, this group, you can say disparaging things about a lot of motorcycle clubs, and all of those things would be accurate. Um, but this one in particular... At least at face value, very much stressed. Uh, Take care of your family. Like, in that you needed to have a job. Um, You needed to take care of the things that were important. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about spending time with your kids or anything like that, but make sure you have a roof over your head. Make sure, you know, there's food involved for your children. Um, So they did, you know, they did really, like, if you were married, you were supposed to, like, I guess if you were going to have an affair, don't let your wife know about it. I don't know, but was this uh, in the bylaws? Yeah, probably. So, Uh, so you you do get to go sometimes. You do find that this is a group of people that you actually very similar to kind of how you were describing um, the church. Really lovely community. You liked being around them. Very very family oriented. So all he really did was trade one family for another. Um. You know, the music was a little different. The clothes were a little different. Couple more curse words. But, yeah, one family for another. And at this point, um, he's still working. And yes. it sounds like there's just been a, um, tell me if I'm wrong on this, uh, a, a shift in your in the idea of what your marriage is. Totally. And... So you're taking care of these now three kids. And uh, did you do any work at this time? I know that you were supposed to kind of, um, as you were saying, it was the woman stays home according to the church. Did you do any work? Did you? I did. I actually am an industrious little bitch. And (laughs) um, 
<laughs> I started a sewing business. Oh. Yeah, I start I started um very small and it stayed very small. Um, but I did interior decorating sewing. So I ran a workroom where I made cushions and pillows ah, okay. and window treatments for people with too much money. Um and I was actually pretty good at it. Nice. And you know, it certainly wasn't gonna make me rich, um, but it did pay the mortgage a couple of times when things were tight. Um, and I could do that while the kids were sleeping. Um, you know, I had a huge area where after the kids went to bed, I could um, lay out this really expensive fabric and uh, you know, work on it and then put it all away when the kids got up with their sticky little jelly fingers. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And it was, it was something that I really enjoyed doing because. Which I, it, not that, sorry to interrupt you, but no, that is a wonderful thing to hear, especially as you're, is you're, you're trying to go through this. You feel like, it sounds like you feel like you're very alone. You've got three kids yeah. and the fact that you have something that you can turn to that gives you meaning that you, that you're good at and also happens to help pay the mortgage is, is a really yeah. positive thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And it, you know, I, I did enjoy it. Um, but then things really went to shit. <laughs> All right. When you say that, I'm I'm going to take that as as a, a point where we're going to take a little break. I think it's yeah, time it, to say let's move to another episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut off your story there, and then next week we're going to come back and pick up because I love a good cliffhanger. Right when things go to shit, how does that sound with you? That's fabulous. All right. So we'll do the real goodbyes at the end of the series. But everybody, I will say this. As you've heard Katie's very powerful story, which Katie, thank you so much for sharing this and being so open about such very difficult things. I truly, truly appreciate it. So thank you so much. Um, I know we, we've got more story to go, but I wanted to stop and make sure to tell you how much I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. With that, I will end this episode the way I end every episode, which is to please always remember that there is room for kindness and grace, even with ourselves. I forget it all the time and I'm trying to remember it. There is always room for kindness and grace and we'll see you next time on Sad Times. You've been listening to a fourth hand shine.